Um, my name is Jennifer Chernowski, and I will be the moderator this afternoon for today's SACPA. I just welcome, wanted to welcome you all here today. Um, so just a couple of reminders before we begin. Um, if everybody could please make sure your cell phones are turned off, that would be fantastic. Um, the uh, session today will be recorded by um, Spotlight Shaw, um, and the presentations are available both on our website um, and on um, the Shaw YouTube channel. Um, and it is also uh, presented um, on television um, at a couple of times throughout the afternoon um, for the rest of the week. Um, if you plan on joining us for lunch, it will be $14. Um, and just for just coffee, it will be two. Um, there are bowls at your tables. Um, please make sure that somebody is designated just to count the total before we come around and collect um, this afternoon. Um, so as, uh, as of other SACPA uh, events, there will be half an hour for both the speaker, the lunch, and then Q&A. Um, and if you have any questions uh, for uh, Kelty, um, <laughs> uh, please feel free to write them down. Um, if you don't want to come ask them yourself, I'm happy to do that. Um, so with that, um, Kelty Baird will be here today to talk about um, urban urban chickens. Um, and with that, I'm going to pass the mic. So welcome, Kelsey. Thank you very much for having me here today. Um, so I'm, my name's Kelsey Baird. I own Theoretically Brewing Company here in Lethbridge. Um, I'm a graduate of the University of Lethbridge, and I did a short-term working with Environment Lethbridge. So that got me starting to think about all of the different ways we interact with our environments and all the different impacts we have on it. So today's talk is gonna talk about urban hen keeping and we're also gonna talk about some food sustainability and how it all kind of connects together. Um, so yeah, so making the case for clucking. Why urban ba or backyard hen should be allowed in Lethbridge. So on September 17th, I rose before city council and pled my case for a pilot project here in Lethbridge. Uh, for urban hen keeping. My case was modeled after the Red Deer uh, pilot project that took place between 2012 and 2014 and resulted in a bylaw change that now allows urban hens up in that city. So since early 1951, Lethbridge's bylaw 3383 has prohibited the keeping of livestock and poultry in the city limits. As 21st century consumerism movement shift focus away from bulk production, and foreign manufacturing, so too should local urban environments reopen to the idea of self-sustainable production. So this is my favorite image that we've come across. Um, this is an ad that was posted in a 1918 Washington Post. And it says, Uncle Sam expects you to keep hens and raise chickens. And so this kind of details that during the first and second world wars, urban hen keeping and victory gardens is where the start of sustainable agriculture kind of gets its real kickoff. Um, this advertisement um, promoted across Canada and the United States people to grow their own food and alleviate the pressure on their food systems, their farmers, the manufacturers, because a lot of those people were off at war and missing um, from, the, from the nation. Food production gardens continued from the First World War into the Great Depression of the 1930s. And I actually have an anecdote. Um, a lady came up to me and said, my grandmother survived the 1930s in Southern Alberta because she knew how to grow her own food. And I was like, that's amazing. And she's like, yeah, I would be so screwed today. She doesn't know how to garden. She doesn't know how to keep hens. 
And she also said that even though they were poor, they had no money coming in. They never felt like they were in trouble because they could provide for their own families and the families around them. So it's very important, especially in an agricultural center like Lethbridge, that we kind of reconnect with those roots even though we do live in an urban environment. So it wasn't until after World War II and the rise in supermarkets and grocery stores that we kind of got away from allowing urban agriculture in centers like Lethbridge, Calgary, and Edmonton. Um, bylaws changed, and that was the big thing, is we got into this legislation that said, okay, well, in new developments, we need to be beautiful, and we need to be high class, and we need to be like have this leisure space, and we need to plant lawns. And as someone who used to work for a developer here in the city, in one of the newer neighborhoods on the west side, I know that it was actually mandated from the bylaws in that community that they had to plant lawns. They couldn't zero-scape the front yards. It had to be grass, which is absolutely crazy when you start getting into how high impact and how high maintenance those yards can be. So... That's, that's the difference that came about in the 1950s. It was a legislative one. It's not that the interest in keeping urban victory gardens or urban gardens or urban hens waned. It's that the city itself actually said, we don't need this anymore because we have these super centers that are coming into town that will provide all the groceries for us. And also, we got into food safety and all that good stuff, which we'll talk about a little bit later. There's nothing intrinsically wrong, and I really want to make this point. If you love your garden, awesome. If you love keeping your lawn, I have a neighbor right across the street from me who I always feel bad because he has to stare at my lawn and it's terrible. Um, but I get to look at his lawn and it's beautiful. It's perfectly manicured. His garden is absolutely gorgeous. If that makes you happy, that's great. Keep that. There's nothing wrong with that in the city of Lethbridge. However, I am also just asking for permission to allow us, those people interested in keeping food resources local and producing ourselves and asking for the opportunity to do so. So that's the big change. So uh, we start to talk about the local and the global food market. And one thing that most people don't recognize is that our food market is so global. If it wasn't global, we wouldn't have strawberries right now. That's, that's just the way it is. Avocados, they don't grow in Lethbridge. Lemons and limes, not happening. So we import a lot of our food from around the world, and a lot of those um, supermarkets and a lot of those producers are corporate entities that exist in vast numbers, and they have huge territories. So for instance, Alberta beef is processed in manufacturing plants around the province. Over 80% of those plants are owned by JBS, which is a main corporation down in Brazil. So if you take a look at all of the different corporate entities and all of the different political things happening around the world, then you add in climate change and climate events, now we're getting into um, a situation where a climate event that happens down in Peru can affect how we get our food up in Canada. Now, it's true that Lethbridge is an agricultural center and we're a little bit insulated from some of these events, which is totally fine. Um, we're not immune to them though. And the real challenge is going to come in the next 10 to 15 years when we, we can't plan that far ahead, so we need to start looking at it now. Does that make sense? Cool. This slide, um, this is a food garden. And does, has anyone ever been to Detroit? No. Okay, a couple people. 
Detroit experienced a financial collapse in 2004. The city is virtually dead. I actually looked at housing prices there. You can get a five bedroom house for $1,200. So if anyone wants to move to Detroit, now might be the time. The city has split between a suburban population and an urban population. And inner city Detroit is actually thriving. And this is one of the reasons why. So this is a food plot. It's a two acre food plot in the middle of downtown Detroit. And the people there, the neighborhood, has got together and converted an old park that was just lawn into an urban food garden. And they do keep hens at this location as well, which I was super excited to learn. So this food plot is available and it feeds the entire neighborhood. You know, everyone gets a basket of food to take home. Everyone pitches in. It connects kids back to where their food is coming from because, and the surprising thing about this neighborhood, there are no supermarkets. It's a food desert. If you need to go to the supermarket to get groceries, it's about a 40 minute drive away. And that's unheard of in an inner city, but all of the businesses have moved out, all, everything is gone. So the people are really taking the land back and making it their own. I'm not saying this is gonna happen in Lethbridge, I really hope it doesn't. Also, we're much smaller. <laughs> Detroit is two million acres, so it's a huge city. We're landmass wise, just so much smaller than that. Um, but it is important to start thinking about some of these effects. So this is a quote from a climate research um, panel up in Calgary, and it talks about building a climate resilient city. So essentially, Lethbridge, some interesting statistics for you, has just 17 food markets or grocery stores. Only five of those are locally owned. Uh, two seasonal farmers markets and seven community gardens for a population approaching 100,000 people. We also have over 37,000 dwellings in the city. So that's individual homes and households. Lethbridge is not considered a climate resilient city. Um, one of the things that we're gonna talk about, I just want you to keep that 37,000 household number in your brain, because we'll talk about a little bit of what a pilot project might look like and the density of hens coming in if the city moves forward. So. 37,000 homes spread across the entire city. And now we get into chickens. <laughs> so they're so cute. So what does urban agriculture mean for Lethbridge? Urban agriculture is the practice of using public and private property in urban settings for food production in an effort to achieve self-sustainability. Modern urban agriculture practices include food gardens, food forests and orchards, public fruit trees and green spaces being converted even partially to food plots and gardens. The majority of these practices focuses on climate appropriate plant production and can benefit everyone from private citizens, organizations and businesses, and even food banks and charities. Um, one of the coolest locations for a food garden in Lethbridge is actually on top of Park Place Mall. We have a full garden up there and that benefits the interface food Interfaith Food Bank, but nobody knows about it. So it's really neat. Um, we do have several excellent food forests in Lethbridge. I'm not sure if you guys are aware. If anyone lives on the west side, Nicholas Sharon Park has an orchard in it. It's small. The trees are tiny. They're still growing. Uh, Gold Garden Park has the most amazing pear trees you will find in the entire city. 
we harvested some of them last year and made cider. It was delicious. Sorry? Um, so all of this, all of this effort that the city's already put in has complemented the 2017 to 2021 Lethbridge uh, strategic plan. And on page 11 of that plan, it talks about building a compassionate community. So part of that is building a resilient food system that includes all of these efforts already undertaken and urban hen keeping fits in perfectly with that. I also wanna note that as the population of Lethbridge is starting to change as we start to see more and more people coming in from other parts of the world. A lot of these people grew up in areas where keeping livestock on your, on your property is completely normal. And not being able to in the city of Lethbridge is really weird for them. And I'm not saying like, let's get goats and cows on our, you know, half acre plots in our backyard. That's not gonna work. If you have a half acre, good job. I have a postage stamp of the backyard. Um, but when you can bring in, okay, well, everyone gets a couple of hens that can produce food for you in your backyard. Now you're getting back into something that they feel very comfortable with. So it's kind of welcoming for, for our newcomers as well. So what does all this have to do with urban hens? In the past few years, I've been very proud to bring my brewing company to the Homestead Show and Market in Fort McLeod. And I had no idea what this market was about and I was totally floored by the program each year. And it's held at the Midnight Stadium, and if you haven't been to this market, it's happening on May 4th, 24th, and 25th. I highly recommend you go. It's really family friendly, and they have everything from short seminars, 30-minute talks on homesteading, all the way up to, um, you can literally pick up livestock there, so you can buy your hens, your chicks. Um, you can also buy llamas, if you're into that. That's not allowed in the bylaw, but you know, if you live outside of town. Um, it's also a market for a lot of local producers. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's a really good time. So I got talking with one of the uh, guys there who organizes the market and also is a hen provider. So a number of my friends have attended this market and they're massive green thumbs. So I get zucchinis as long as my arm like every fall. It's absolutely amazing. I can't grow plants to save my life. Um, so I really wanna be able to give back to them in a way that kinda is reciprocal in our relationship. And one of those ways I can do is I'm really good at working with animals, if I do say so myself. And keeping hens is re really quite easy. Um, I began researching hen keeping and the more I looked into the idea, the more attractive it became. YouTube video after YouTube video. The farm visit, the whole process is just really simple. I can provide a great home and a dedicated family. And then the bylaw issue came up and I was absolutely on board to be one of chickens, which absolutely does happen. There are a couple in Lethbridge. Um, and then I found out that a city worker works hard. Um, so I'm like, okay, well, if I can't do it illegally, I will 100% get up in front of council and try and change it on my own. So I started a Facebook group called 
as of yesterday, it had over 150 participants. Not all of these people online want urban hens. They just want the ability for people who want urban hens to have urban hens. So, to actually want to put the effort into building a coop and having hens. So it's a very small community, but it's very tight knit. So it's spreading throughout southern Alberta. So one of the most attractive really attractive to me. This isn't. So this is a small scale higher lives where exactly as you see them. They eat out of troughs and they're watered. Um, their lifespan for these layers is two to four years only. And after the hens stop laying or the production decreases a certain amount, they're slaughtered and turned into dog food. Who really loves baking and really loves eggs. Um, there are hundreds of production farms like and there will be eight to 12 sheds per property. So it's a lot of birds. McDonald's, they consume the most eggs, which I found fascinating. So, when I went to council, Um, one councillor's specific objection was the assertion that if you want farm animals, go live on a farm. And as I said before, I'm an urban-raised millennial from Kelowna. I don't know what to do on a farm. Also, I can't afford a farm, but I can afford my home here in Lethbridge, which has a small backyard that's suitable for a couple of different uses. I have a patio back there, I have tables, I have a garden shed, and easily, I've already built it. I fit a chicken coop. So, some of the objections we heard were hens are smelly, noisy, and disease-ridden. So, for the folks who have ever visited a farm with chickens, all of these might be true. Maybe not the disease-ridden part, but certainly the smelly and the noisy part. And there's a huge difference between raising hens on a farm versus urban hens. So unlike farms, urban hens involve no roosters, since we are not looking to incubate the eggs and grow the chicks ourselves. We'll actually bring chicks in from outside. Eggs are entirely a food source. You need a rooster for a hen to lay eggs. That's a common misconception. A couple of city councils um, <laughs> can keep and licenses that require inspections to obtain, coops are kept clean, fresh, and odor programs throughout the province. There's a maximum cap on the number of households that may apply for coop licenses. Is having hens? It's relatively low. If you live in the middle of London Road, chances are none of your pilot program, there would still be a maximum of 400 hens in the city of Lethbridge. 
Keep in mind, Lethbridge City dog licenses last year were in the 15,000. So there's a lot So a coop with four hens uh, clucking reaches about conversation where no yelling is involved. in the evening, you're okay with hens. That's essentially the equivalent. Um, four hens, as it says on the slide, can lay up to 20 eggs per household per week. Don't want roosters in the city. Um, 20, 20 eggs per week is produce an egg a day. Uh, in peak season, which is summertime, Hens can produce up to two eggs a day diet and how well how healthy they are. And in wintertime it drops to virtually none. So it's high protein diet. So with all that said, does anyone have a clock in the morning? Hens are quieter than dogs and magpies. Coops are mandated to be certain distances from property lines, so they actually have set legislation. So as much as I do want to let my hens run around my backyard, the city could say, no, you can't do that. They have to be in the enclosed. And they're still enclosed. It's all, it's all adorable. Um, this means that should Lethbridge adopt a similar program, there would be no legal instance of a chicken running free. So, I'm not sure if anyone's aware of what happened in the I have no idea who that was. The video of the security guard is quite hilarious. Moved very quickly. They eventually got everyone out and it was fine. Um, I love this photo. Uh, about chickens is that they harbor disease and in large unkempt populations like the ones found in slaughterhouses um, cleaning a coop an urban coop takes go to top up the water at night you do it again it takes five minutes and at the same time you're collecting your eggs Uh, an additional 20 to 30 minutes per month to clean out the bedding inside the coop, which is usually all in all, you're looking at five minutes a day plus 20 minutes down so at one point in, in the month. Educational programs required in other jurisdictions like Edmonton help to educate prospective hen keepers on the health of their flock and prevent health problems that may affect uh, the chickens. It's surprisingly, easy, it's surprisingly easy to keep a flock healthy. Um, there are fewer communicable diseases associated with hens, so there are few diseases that can jump from chicken to human than there are from cat to human. And we allow cat to free roam in the city. So that's a major point. The final concern we hear is that too many folks will jump on the proverbial bandwagon and that animal shelters will be overrun with chickens. 
Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania is one city where um, shelters have been overrun with chickens due to an increased interest in urban hen keeping. But when they legalized uh, hen keeping in Pittsburgh, they gave no legislation about it. So there was no pilot program. People just went out, got a coop, got chickens, and had no idea what they were doing. That's not what we're looking to do here. Uh, they had a 500% increase in the amount of chickens each year. So they went from 11 to 50 in the shelter. So it's not even that big of a deal. Uh, all of those chickens, by the way, have since been rehomed to responsible hen owners. <laughs> so no tragedies there. So one of the things we want to do is build a support network. We want to uh, create this community online, and we've already started to do it, where we have knowledgeable people from uh, the county and hen keepers literally teaching urbanites like myself how to do things properly. They teach everything from building coops and coop design all the way up to keeping it clean, what to look for if there is a problem with your hens, if, if a hen starts to develop mites, how do we care for that? And the best part is we're an agricultural center. There are veterinarians in the area that know exactly what to do. And this is my favorite photo because hen keeping can be a family engagement. The whole household can participate. Um, really small children are great at collecting eggs. They love Easter. It's like Easter every day. And uh, they, they can basically participate from start to finish, and it teaches you where your food production can come from. And when people say that Lethbridge is too urban, I like to bring up New York City. So New York City is the only city in North America that has never outlawed the keeping of urban hens. Every borough, there are five boroughs in New York City, it is legal to keep hens. In three of them, it's legal to keep roosters. So if you're moving to New York, check which borough that's allowed in. Um, there's also no cap on the number of chickens you can keep in New York City. There's just a no pest rule. So if your neighbors complain, you can get your chickens taken away. So it's important to keep everybody happy. So if New York City, and I literally know of people in New York City that have chicken coops on like 20-story apartment buildings out on their patio. If they can do it, we can figure out a way to make it work here. And that's all I have for you today. Thank you very much, and I look forward to your questions. Thank you.